1: Folks, this uh, woke stuff is like a religion. It really is. It's got uh, rules, customs, there's fanatics involved with it, and uh, boy, oh boy, it's, um, it's here to stay, it seems. Now, I think we're going to win. Why is this taking off the way it is, huh? I have a theory. One of the reasons is that so many people have turned away from God, the true God, They think they can do this all on their own. Society, culture, they stigmatize God and Jesus. They have. They've tried at least. So many people have bought that nonsense, and they're not looking to God. They're looking to each other. They're looking to these (laughs) new ways, these new rules, these new customs to somehow be validated. They don't need any of this stuff. Oh, boy, if they only knew the peace and joy and everything they want is available from God, but they're going about it the wrong way, in my opinion. But these rules and strictures that they have, they reveal that they actually want some sort of structure. You know, you do better uh, sometimes at work than you do at home when it comes to productivity. There's more structure at work. Do you know what I mean? All right. I hope that makes a little bit of sense, because I feel like we're in a very bizarre moment, all right? Lots of people are going along with this, and a lot of people are afraid to stand up and and push back. Now, we had a giant, and we have a giant who's not afraid to stand up and push back. He's pretty amazing. The one and only Donald Trump. Now, I go back to a speech he made July 4th of 2021. Listen to this.
2: There is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. It's not going to happen to us.
1: He's right, huh? Isn't that interesting? That's this, this whole new system. Now, it's on my mind because, well, I was speaking with a doctor friend of mine, and you know when you go to the doctor, they don't ask you what your religion is anymore. Now, why did they ever ask you what your religion was? Maybe they shouldn't have been doing that. Well, actually, what if you die on the uh, operating room table? I mean, what if there are contingencies where that information would be useful They don't ask about that anymore. They do ask questions like this. What gender were you when you were born? What is your gender now? Your preferred pronouns. And about 50 other nonsensical questions. And that takes the doctor away from what the doctor should really be doing. My doctor likes to chit chat with me. So much so, I'm like, okay, are you going to get to the examination? He would say, hey, this is part of the examination. I can actually evaluate you just by talking to you. Now... They're just afraid of saying the wrong thing, like everybody else, it seems. Hmm? Let me know if this makes sense to you. I think we're on to something. Joe Biden, I don't know if it makes sense to him. It doesn't make sense that a guy like him just made this week uh, Black Maternal Health Week. Yes, it is Black Maternal Health Week. And uh, oh, by the way, we all have a mission to talk about this, according to Joe Biden. If we can put it up on the screen, please. Oh, actually, I have it right here. He calls upon all Americans to raise awareness of the state of Black Maternal Health in the United States By understanding the consequences of systemic discrimination, recognizing the scope of this problem, and the need for urgent solutions. And they're really pushing this on hospitals, on doctors and nurses. What urgent solutions can they come up with? Uh, Are doctors and nurses right now treating black mothers, or excuse me, black birthing persons unfairly are they discriminating against them joe biden actually thinks and this whole current movement says that implicit bias may be at work i'm not going to take any lessons on race or anything from this man but especially on race remember this
2: but i tell you if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or trump and you ain't black
1: but here we are. This is the guy who made it now, uh, again, maternal, Black Maternal Health Awareness Week. And it's up to all Americans, all Americans, to talk about it. Well, let's go through what it is. This is, uh, let's see, the Black Mamas Alliance, Black Mamas Matters Alliance, excuse me, uh, building liberation, centering black mamas, black families, and black systems of care. It reflects the BMA's work in centering black women's scholarship, maternity care work, and advocacy across the full spectrum of sexual, maternal, and reproductive health care services, programs, and initiatives. Okay, I can deal with that. How about the next one, if you don't mind? Additionally, this theme reflects the critical need for learning about black feminist and womanist approaches in strengthening wellness structures within our communities across the diaspora, revolutionary act, blah, 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 blah. Hey, I want to end maternal mortality, but everything else is gibberish. But it doesn't matter. It's fashionable right now. And look at the sponsors who are signing on for some of this stuff. I mean, these are heavyweights, okay? Dub, soap, uh, pampers, the, the diaper people. This nonsense is just what's there, and you're supposed to go along with it, not ask any questions. I could raise questions about black people. Mortality in hospitals. I don't think it has anything to do with discrimination. You can't put this on the nurses. You can't put this on the doctors. It's a far more uncomfortable conversation than Pampers or Dove seems to want to have. I'm ready to have it. Are you? Now, in the meantime, this administration, they can't have it. They won't have it. And if you start talking about it, you're in for a hard time. You know, Katanji Brown Jackson was semi-sworn in the other day. She's not on the bench, but she's made it, and it doesn't get there until next year. Anyway, they had a victory lap. When she first got the appointment, I thought she's a nice person. I'm not so sure anymore. It has
0: taken 232 years and 115 prior appointments for a black woman to be selected to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States.
1: But we've made it. So when I said nice person, I meant that nice person. I didn't think she was right for the court. I think she's too liberal. Quite frankly, the situation with the sentencing and the pedophiles, that was troubling. And she should have been able to define a woman. Now, the not so nice part, why she might not be a nice person, because I took that statement to mean that somehow there was active discrimination taking place against people like her because of the way she looked that white men were specifically discriminating against black women because of their black skin and their gender. I don't believe that. Now, during major parts of our history, women couldn't vote, women couldn't do a lot of things, and we had a horrible phase with slavery like so many other countries in the world. But for a long chunk of time, there were not enough eligible black women to be considered for the Supreme Court. You can look it up. The numbers have been very, very small. The way she portrays it, it was active discrimination based on race and gender. I don't think that's the case. Harvard had their very first graduate in 1956 from the law school, a black woman. Yale, 1931. You know, all these justices seem to come from the same school. They just did not have a significant pool of people to choose from. Is that fair? I think it is. Let me know. In the meantime, did you notice how Kamala was clapping? This was something to see. This was uh, somebody who was not particularly thrilled. There's something resentful about that clapping. All right. Now, I am, quite frankly, over this gender stuff, the race stuff. Uh, I admit, I'm not that great at talking about it, I've been thinking about other matters for most of my life, and I like to think about other things, like going to the moon, like going to Mars, like how did the president put it?
2: We are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and God alone. <laughs> my fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun, and it is time. To start talking about greatness for our country again. Greatness. We don't talk about greatness anymore. You never hear the word greatness.
1: It's true. It made me think of something. I watched the rally over the weekend. It made me think, and it feels just like it, very similar to the summer of 2015 when Donald Trump declared for the presidency. Remember, he came down the escalator and uh, he said something very dissimilar to what he said this weekend.
2: Our country is in serious trouble. We don't have victories anymore. We used to have victories, but we don't have them. When was the last time anybody saw us beating, let's say China, in a trade deal? They kill us.
1: Just made me think of the same thing. Greatness, not winning. And I was in the room, as some of you may remember. There I am, June 16th, 2015. I just, quite frankly, it was a, kind of a coincidence, kind of a fluke that I was there. But I was there. And when he said those words back then, um, I said this. And I feel the same way now, quite frankly. I think he might be a game changer in this race. Listen to that speech. It's going to go over well uh, in certain precincts in Iowa, New Hampshire. This is a big deal. This is not a joke. All right. I'm pretty proud of that. I was pretty insightful. You don't have to be that insightful right now to know that this is Trump's moment. He can take it all again and he should. We deserve it. It's going to be tough, but it's worth it. Don't you think? Stay with us in a little bit. The Reagan assassination attempt. Remember that? John Hinckley. Guess what? John Hinckley is up to now. And one more time, let's see Kamala, what was on her mind when she was applauding Katanji Brown-Jackson, something is up. Be right back.
2: Is Is that that the the fake fake news news? just Just doesn't doesn't
1: get get it, it, do they? they? They Ah, the fake news. You know, they nibbled a little bit. Oh, look at us. We're doing the Hunter Biden laptop story. And now they're not doing the Hunter Biden laptop story. All right. That story is done. Nope, nope, nope. They're back to ignoring it. It's all Ukraine all the time. Uh, No, don't want to talk about Hunter Biden. They can't bury it. All right. It'll be back soon. Something big is going to happen. We hope. Um, oh, take a look at this. Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, who I happen to know. Well, I just hear she's not a very nice person. Okay? Maybe to her family and, you know, media. But mm, we don't like her as a governor, certainly. And the plot to kidnap her? Give me a break. No one wants to hang around Gretchen Whitmer. And those guys, it looks like they were set up. Did you hear about their uh, vindication? <laughs> A federal jury in Michigan
0: today found two men not guilty of conspiring to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020
1: in an alleged plot to force the state to drop its COVID restrictions. The jury was deadlocked on the same conspiracy charges for two other men, and the judge declared their cases a mistrial. As for the governor's office, uh, her chief of staff released a statement uh, after this outcome,
0: writing in part, the plot to kidnap and kill a governor may seem like an anomaly, but we must be honest about what it really is. The result Of violent, divisive rhetoric that is all too common across our country. There must be accountability
1: and consequences for those who commit heinous crimes. Without accountability, they write, extremists will be emboldened. Now, the U.S. attorney that's been overseeing this case says that even though the jury did not reach a decision in their favor, they are certainly uh, now waiting a, a potential retrial here. Well, it may have been entrapment. It may have been a total setup. And again, Gretchen kidnapping Gretchen Whitmer, uh, the ransom, the, the kidnappers would have paid the ransom to get her off their hands. Just kidding. Look, this case strikes a lot of people as a big setup and timed to do political damage. Interesting. We'll see what happens next. Also, do you remember when Trump was warning everybody about uh, the dangerous effects of
2: staying inside all day during COVID and what people might do? People are losing their jobs, they're committing suicide, there's depression, alcohol, drugs at a level that nobody's ever seen before. When you look at what happens during a lockdown, I just say it very loudly, it's horrible what happens with drugs, alcohol. You know what, it does inflict tremendous harm on the people that are shut out of their jobs, that are going to lose their jobs with suicides and drugs and alcohol. Remember
1: when they said if only he could show a little bit more empathy, huh? This is empathy. This is what it is. And uh, he has it. He has it. And he was right, by the way, mainstream media. There's no evidence of this. There's no evidence of this until there was overwhelming evidence of this alcohol related death spiked during the pandemic. And now Democrats, they're back to having fun. Democrats like to drink. I think maybe who knows everybody, I guess, drinks. I recommend not doing it. Kathy Hochul, our governor here in uh, New York, what a head case, excuse me, Uh, we're legalizing uh, 2 go drinks. That means you can take a beer out of a bar to support small businesses and because, I know, we could all use a drink. (laughs) Isn't that cute? It's not cute. It's actually dangerous. Thanks for nothing, Governor. All right. Also this, and I think it's a good move. President Trump endorsed Dr. Oz over the weekend. I like it. I think it was the right thing to do. Take a look at this. I believe that Mehmet Oz will be the one most able to win the general election against a radical left Democrat looking to do unthinkable harm to our country. And that should be the most important uh, criterion right there. That's it. Beating the, the Democrat. Now, I know some Republicans in the Jeb Bush wing of the Republican Party who don't like this endorsement. They're like, oh, Dr. Oz. Hey, Dr. Oz is friends with Oprah. I've seen Dr. Oz with Oprah a million times. And those guys are friends. And they were on each other's shows. And nobody, Oprah likes Obama. And that's not right. And then, let's see. Oh, I heard Dr. Oz say something in 2009. And I don't think he's conservative enough. and, And, well, All this stuff about Dr. Oz reminded me of the complaints I was hearing from the Jeb Bush wing of the Republican Party back in 2015 when I called it that President Trump could win the entire race before anybody else. They were saying the same things about Donald Trump. Yes, they were. And they were going through Donald Trump's file. And hey, look at what he said in 1999.
0: Partial birth abortion, the eliminating of abortion in the third trimester,
2: big issue in Washington. Would President Trump ban partial birth abortion? Well, look, I'm, I'm very pro-choice. He
1: became the most pro-life president we ever had. You know, politicians make up their minds and stick with it. Real people evolve, change their minds, learn new things. Uh, this is a real person, unlike a career politician. And these are the kinds of things that they went through and they tried to stop Trump over. How about this? You
0: said of Hillary Clinton that she was, quote, pretty badly abused
2: during her presidential campaign. Why did you say that? I thought that they roughed her up pretty good. I, I think she's a wonderful woman. I think that she's a little bit misunderstood. You know, Hillary's a very smart woman, very tough woman. That's fine. But she's also a very nice person. And I know Hillary and I know her husband very well. They're fine people.
1: Wonderful. Nice. Fine. Know him very well. That's okay. We don't hold that against President Trump that he said something like that 14 years ago. People change. Donald Trump changed. Hillary changed. That's okay. Donald Trump is also friends with uh, Oprah. In 2015, he briefly entertained the idea of making her his running mate, he didn't say no and it was brought up. People change, people change their minds. What make Trump and Oz so special, they bring so much more to the table than your typical career politician. Let's start with Trump, huh? Here's a guy who can show up at an empty lot and through hard work, Turn nothing into something, or turn. Let's take a look. An old, dilapidated hotel, and make it uh, the new, incredible uh, Hyatt Hotel. He did that when he was still in his twenties. He could take uh, 57th and Fifth Avenue and go from uh, well, a pit to this to this Trump Tower. It's like Dr. Raz. He's a cardiothoracic surgeon. He's that is a tremendous skill. Uh, you show up at the hospital with your bad heart, talk to Dr. Oz, he can open up your chest, go in there, uh, clamp it, lock it, open the ventricle, whatever happens, he can actually do that. That is world-class skill. Very few people know how to do that. Uh, I think the what goes with that, his knowledge about the healthcare system, it's... It's unmatched. It's unmatched in Washington for sure. And that's what I find so intriguing about guys like Oz and Trump. They bring something significant to the table that can help all of, us, all of us. I'll tell you, the Founding Fathers had guys like Trump and Oz in mind when they came up with the Constitution. If you look at what they did, they weren't full-time politicians. They were lawyers, authors, merchants, farmers. They did all kinds of things. They weren't full-time swamp bureaucrats like some other people we know, okay? <laughs> These, I don't think the founding fathers would be very keen about them. Do you? So, once again, congratulations to uh, Dr. Raz. Good call by President Trump. We'll be right back.
2: Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people.
1: Do you remember where Old enough. I remember I was in sixth grade. They came in, told us the news that Reagan had survived. We were all relieved, but wow, what a story. And uh, John Hinckley Jr., the 24-year-old gunman, Uh, immediately taken into custody. He was caught right there on the scene. He was trying to impress Jodie Foster. Well, not guilty by reason of insanity. You know, they let him out of uh, St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Washington. He is essentially more or less a free man. I think the Secret Service keeps tabs on him where he is, but he's not even on parole. He can do whatever he wants, and he's doing whatever he wants. He's uh, a singer-songwriter now. Uh which is kind of hard to believe, but there he is, puts his videos up on YouTube.
3: All right,
1: I I, I don't really want to hear his singing, but uh, he's going to be performing live here in New York in the summer, and he's tweeting about it. He's very excited. I'm very excited, he writes, about my upcoming show. Ticket sales are good. July 8th, Market Hotel in Brooklyn, New York. And I was just reminded that a presidential attempted assassin, a wannabe assassin, is on Twitter, and a president is off Twitter. And just remember, the what got Trump banned from Twitter was advocating for policies that were validated by the Supreme Court and calling for peace on January 6th. You can look it up. Something's been happening, by the way. Every time he speaks at these rallies, Newsmax carries them live, you know, but hardly anybody else does. And when you do try to look for his videos and watch them, there's invariably, it's hard to find for one, and then something goes wrong. Something is always messed up with the broadcast. Take a look.
2: I said, what the hell was that? That was a powerful, beautiful train, but Ted, I think he's a voter of yours.
1: Test patterns. I haven't seen these since uh, channel 55. What is that? And it stayed up there for uh, 30 seconds or so. Look, there are big efforts and small efforts to keep Donald Trump, um, to minimize him, to censor him. Ah, he's back, he got back. But I don't trust anybody when it comes to having access, preserving our access to material we all need and want to see and hear. Got to keep an eye out for that. Meanwhile, We do have an unadulterated copy of the rally, and here are some highlights.
2: Violent criminals are being set loose in Democrat run cities to prey on innocent citizens. There's never been anything like the crime that we're witnessing in the Democrat run cities. While radical left judges persecute Republicans and hold political prisoners without trial. Our children are being indoctrinated. Our values are being desecrated. Our heritage is being obliterated and our country is being humiliated by a president who has no idea what the hell is going on.
1: Nobody says it like him, right? We've heard some of this before, but it's resonating even more, especially what's going on in Ukraine.
2: You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together, and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done to our country in just 15 months. As everyone is saying, Russia's outrageous invasion of Ukraine would never have happened. And I mean, it would never have happened if I was in the White House and not even a chance. Would have never happened. Every time I look at... Those scenes on television and the scenes that you see in your papers, every time I look, I get sick to think about it because all of those people that are dying and all of those people that are dead have been killed, savagely killed, horribly killed. They would be alive today. They wouldn't even be thinking about it. That would have never happened.
1: (sighs) We're not going to show you the pictures. You've seen them, but he's right. And most Americans agree with him. This would not be happening if he were still in power. An overwhelming majority say this would not be happening with Donald Trump still in the White House. Think about that. All the lives that would still be alive. And uh, not only over there, but but here. You know, it's dangerous crossing the border.
2: After we win this November, Republicans should immediately vote to remove Biden's secretary of Homeland Security. who doesn't have a clue, from office for his blatant acts of sabotage against the laws of the United States. And then we should continue to work hard until the borders are again sealed. And we want people to come into our country, but we want them to come into our country legally. Legally. And how about that?
1: Getting rid of the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas, he is a very, very strange guy. There has got to be a way to get him out. He's blowing off all the rules. Start with him, then work your way up to Biden. He is not enforcing the law, and it's so obvious to everybody. Next on China and Afghanistan, listen to this.
2: The Biden administration has been one disgraceful surrender after another, starting with the catastrophic way in which we withdrew from Afghanistan. Was that the lowest point in our history? With dead and horribly wounded soldiers leaving American citizens as hostages, surrendering Bagram Air Base to China. China has it. We were going to keep it It cost billions and billions of dollars to build many years ago, one hour away from where China makes their nuclear weapons. And we gave it away.
1: That's very strange, isn't it? And it's so strange also that Biden and Xi are so tight. I mean, Joe Biden's always bragging about how much time they they spent together,
2: right? I've spent more time with Xi Jinping, at least before we get out, than any world leader has. I've traveled 17,000 miles with him, the president of China. I probably spent more time with Xi Jinping, I'm told, than any world leader has because I... I had 24, 25 hours of private meetings with him when I was vice president. Travelled 17,000 miles with him, yeah. and know him pretty well.
1: I've spent and, more time, and it, and it goes on like this. It goes on like China this. Any world we don't care. That's what world leaders do: spend time with each other. That's he's bragging for potential clients. Yeah, if you want to get the ch- and go through Hunter. I have no doubt whatsoever. And now, isn't it interesting? All of the entanglements that we know about involve Ukraine, Russia, and China, and Joe seems to make catastrophically bad decisions regarding all of it. All of it. All right, finally, wrapping up, back at the rally.
2: A Republican majority must investigate the collusion between Democrat Party politicians and the teachers unions to keep our children out of school for no scientific reason whatsoever. The irreversible harm that Democrat politicians did to our young people is unforgivable, and American voters will punish them at the ballot box this November.
1: Great thinking, huh? And about the damage to our kids. I haven't heard anybody else speak that way, but so much damage was done. The unnecessary mask enforcement and those kids, some who missed school essentially for two years. We don't know yet how much damage was done. It's incalculable. We know that damage was done. Finally, a word about January 6th.
2: We will restore the sacred American principle of equality under the law. And we will, while we're at it, demand justice for the January 6th prisoners and full protection of their civil rights, like was received by Antifa and Black Lives Matter, who murdered people throughout our country. And as you probably have heard, one of the first January 6 trials ended in an extortion and it was a horrible thing what they were doing to people, but there was exoneration because they effectively proved that he got waved into the Capitol by the police. Into the Capitol by the police.
1: And he's totally right. We saw it a hundred times. Uh, cops waving people in or just standing there as they walked on in. Why isn't Kinzinger and Cheney trying to find out about this? This is serious. This is still a problem. Stay with us. We are going to find out more about what's happening in Ukraine and also a political superstar from North Carolina. You're going to want to meet him. His name is Mark Robertson. Coming up.
3: A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon
2: on Newsmax. He's a conservative warrior. More importantly, he's a brilliant guy. And unlike any other People in this, practically in this country, I'll tell you what, he is going places, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, come on up Mark, come on up, come on up,
3: they love this guy. I am a guy who just a few years ago, I was working in a factory. I was a factory worker, uh, go, trying to get uh, work my way through school. And now today, I am standing on stage in Johnston County with the president of the United States of America. I am living proof that the American dream is not dead. It's alive and well. It's not even on life support. And with President Trump's help in 2024, we're going to make that more clear than ever.
1: So uh, when I saw that, I had to find out more about this guy, (laughs) Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, a couple of years ago. He must mean like 30 years ago, 40 years ago. No, he meant just a few years ago. He's an amazing guy. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, Republican of North Carolina, joins us. Uh, Sir, welcome to Newsmax. How are you?
3: How are you doing? It's good to be here.
1: Thank you. And I'll explain to you and everybody listening, we have a bit of a extra delay on our connection. That's OK. Um, but Governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor, could you tell us a little bit about where your life was, say, five, six years ago, what you were up to? And um, I would imagine, given what I know and what you're about to share, politics was not exactly on your mind.
3: Uh, well, I, you know, I've been uh, what I call politically aware for many years. Uh, but, uh, at, at, in, back in 2018, I was working full time in a furniture manufacturing plant and going to school full time. I had my eyes set on becoming a history professor, a college level history professor. I was about three classes away from attaining my bachelor's degree. Uh, when, uh, I, went down uh, to my uh, local—to my hometown uh, city council, Greensboro, North Carolina, and um, just gave an impromptu four-minute speech, uh, standing up for gun rights for law-abiding citizens, and it went viral. And after that speech went viral, my life completely changed. I started to travel the country speaking about conservative— speaking up for conservative causes. I started working with different uh, gun lobbying groups and uh, eventually ended up running for office. And the office we chose to run for was Lieutenant Governor. It was my first foray into politics. And um, uh, we actually won. We won a statewide race. We were in a primary with eight other candidates, a nine-way race. We won with a out a run on, and then we went on to beat a career a Raleigh politician in the general election. So my story is truly a story of the American dream.
1: Well, it's amazing. And by the way, uh, we have that um, uh, that speech that uh, that you made before the, the town council, an impromptu talk, as you put it, and uh, it was uh, it was quite something. And we're going to show a portion right now, if you don't mind.
3: What I want to know is. When are you all gonna start standing up for the majority? You wanna turn around and restrict my right, constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white. You wanna restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself. I am the majority. The majority of the people in this city are law-abiding and they follow the law and they want their constitutional right to be able to to bear arms. The bottom line is when that second amendment was written, whether the framers liked it or not, They wrote it for everybody, and I am everybody.
1: I can see why it went viral, mega viral. Uh, Did you know um, right away that you had done something special, or did it have to, uh, you know, did did that that seem like a big deal to you? Uh,
3: Actually, it did not. Uh, When I got finished delivering that speech, I could not remember what I had said, uh, I had no idea how uh, people would react to it. Uh, I left. I came home. My wife asked me if I spoke at the meeting. I said yes. She asked me what I said, and I told her I don't remember. It wasn't until the next day that it struck me uh, to how it was actually affecting people. The effects were immediate almost. Uh, I think three days later, I was I ended up on Fox & Friends, uh, a morning show. And um, and I was getting calls from from congressmen and senators and politicos. And, uh, you know, every time I thought that the the furor would die down, it just picked right back up again and has never let up. Uh, as I said, my life has been completely uh, was completely transformed by that moment.
1: So let me ask you this. You've been you're the second highest ranking official in North Carolina. You're fairly you know new to the job. First job uh, in politics, and it's really quite near the top. Uh, how has that been in terms yes. of the learning curve and uh, and and performing the responsibilities? And how do you like it so far?
3: We love it, and uh, it has been great because I've had some great mentors and some great teachers. Uh, I've had some great a great great team of people around me. Uh, um, that's probably been the, the best part of it. The team that we have. Uh, t- Uh, works well together. Uh, We were able to get things done. We've been able to make a huge impact in our state. And we've been able to make a huge impact uh, nationally with some of the stands that we've taken on these issues. So it's been great. Uh, But again, I give all the credit to my team. I give a ton of credit to my folks around me who have helped me tremendously. And I give a ton of credit to my wife as well.
1: Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, great to meet you, to be continued uh, Republican uh, of North Carolina. Thank you, sir.
3: Looking forward to it. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, we'll be right back.
1: <laughs> the Russians reportedly have brought their own crematoriums to the battlefield to incinerate uh, their own casualties so they don't have to go through the problems, the uh, logistics of a funeral, next of kin notification. Are these people barbarians? What's happening here? Uh, for more on the Ukraine-Russia uh, situation, Fred Flights joins us, senior fellow America First Policy Institute. Uh, veteran of the Trump administration, uh, national security team. Uh, Fred, welcome back. Number one, I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of an army doing that. Uh, I'm astounded. And I don't think it's fake news. They really did it.
0: This is an army in serious trouble, Greg. They're carrying the crematorium. We see the atrocities, the robberies, the rapes. This, this is an army in disarray, an army that's losing discipline. It's an army that's losing, and it's losing badly. And I, this is simply a sign of desperation that the army is trying to cover up its atrocities with a, with a mobile crematorium.
1: Uh, I, I've heard uh, both things, by the way. Uh, they're uh, the atrocities, enemy bodies, but also Russian bodies, their own soldiers. So they don't have to go through the problem of next of kin notification and and all of that. Uh, it's it's what are the implications, by the way, since we all now know that the uh, army of Russia is terrible. Doesn't that realign the geopolitical equation of everything somewhat?
0: It's really a stunning development. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, well, Zelensky better press for the best peace deal he can, because the Russians are going to cream him. Now Zelensky's saying, I'm not giving up any territory. Zelensky thinks he can win. And many leading military experts think that, too. The Russians are doing terribly in the Donbass, an area where everyone thought, well, if they concentrate their forces and regroup, they could take it. Uh, the Russia, There are Russian military units that don't exist anymore. They've suffered such horrific losses. Uh, It's going to affect the reputation of Russia globally, and it's going to create a situation in Ukraine where Russia's going to have to consider, are they simply going to have to settle for some type of a ceasefire? Understanding that the Ukrainians may later push them back.
1: Uh, Donald Trump over the weekend said, and many Americans agree with him, that this would not be happening if he were still in office. Putin would not have invaded. And I... Believe he's uh, he's right about that. I think people think that you're an expert, though. Is that boasting? I mean, uh, how can he make that case that that's not that that it wouldn't happen? Uh, what do you know about that?
0: Well, look at these Trump haters like Fiona Hill and my old boss John Bolton, who are saying now that Trump somehow caused Putin's invasion of Ukraine. No, that's not case. Four successive presidents, Greg, Russia invaded neighboring countries on three of them not the Trump administration. And I recently spoke to a Russian defector and a former aide to Putin, and they both told me the same thing. Putin did not invade Ukraine during the presidency of Donald Trump because Putin couldn't figure Trump out. He did not know how he would react. Uh, Trump's decisions to bomb Syria, to bomb Afghanistan, to move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem made him too unpredictable
1: for Putin to deal with, and it kept Putin from invading Ukraine. That's something. And by the way, that unpredictability is something Trump cultivated. He knew about that. He knew about that as a strategy. It's something he he talked about and Reagan did as well. Uh, Hey, Fred flights, we got to go, Fred. Thank you so much. Check out the America First Policy Institute to be continued, sir. And we'll be right back. Look at Kamala here. I don't think she's into Katanji Brown Jackson. (laughs) Look at this. Look at this clap. That's one of those sarcastic, I'm only clapping, but I'm really mad. Who knows? Who knows what's going on there? Thanks for watching. Stinchfield is next. See you tomorrow.